So, we've been in a, a series called Dysfunctional Families, and we just haven't realized just how dysfunctional we are, have we? We have learned through this whole series that we are messed up, ain't we, as families. Parents, have you heard this before? That's not fair. That The boys get to do what they want to do. Bethany, you, you're not old enough yet, Shug. But it's not fair. I want to have fun too, Dad. Have you ever heard anything like that before, parents? Yes, we probably all have. Maybe that's your kids, or maybe that's how you were brought up. Maybe that's how you were, you were brought up uh, in your family. Sibling rivalries. It's in every family if you have multiple kids, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before uh, you get uh, jealous about me, because I am a only child. Who's, who's my only children in here? Anybody? All right. You're not an only child. Anybody? All right. So before you get jealous of, of, of us only children, I want you to understand a little bit of our childhood uh, problems as well. So younger children, uh, only children, I want you to see if this is familiar with you. I got, I got every spanking uh, that anybody could ever, ever want because I didn't have anybody to blame it on. Anything that was broken and anything that happened, I got the only spanking. I never had anyone to blame it on. I never got to celebrate National Siblings Day. And last but not least, the whole entire lineage of my family depended on me. No pressure at all, right? Thanks, Mom and Dad. Thanks. That's great. I appreciate it. But luckily now, I get to experience what having siblings is like because I married a girl who is the oldest of four, and I have three children of my own. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, sibling Rivalries. In this series, we have uh, looked at dysfunctional families and choosing the right uh, spouses and soulmates and uh, marriages and parenting. And now we're going to look at the dysfunctions that sometimes arise when children grow into adulthood. Anytime there are more than one uh, child, children, child in the family, chances are there's going to be jealousy, there's going to be uh, competition, there's going to be rivalry. But not dealt with the proper way, and early in the, in the stage there, it can create problems down the road. Nothing has, um, nothing has changed since the beginning of time. The beginning uh, of time is, is always, it still had sibling rivalries. We can see that in the very first family. Cain and Abel, sons of Adam and Eve, offered sacrifices to God. Abel's was what God instructed them to do. Cain's was not. Genesis 4, chapter, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, says, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face so downcast? It can be bright with joy if you do what is right, but if you refuse to obey, watch out. Sin is waiting to attack you, longing to destroy you. But instead of receiving the Lord's warning, G, uh, Genesis 4 8 says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. God made it clear of his punishment of Cain. He didn't tolerate the attitude. You know, he, I'm, I'm the, my brother's keeper. What's that sound like? Maybe we've. We've said that in a, in a different way to, to our siblings. Today, I, I, want to, I want us to look at the causes and the cures of sibling rivalry. Before we get into it, I understand some of you are like me. 
and you are an only child, and, and, and you didn't have siblings, and, and I'm not married, or I don't, I don't have kids, and, and I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. Whoa, 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 whoa. I want to make something clear. If you're a believer, you have siblings. You're my brother, you're my sister from another mother, but we've got the same father, amen? <laughs> Look around, you brothers and sisters. That's your brothers and sisters in Christ, guys. These principles apply to brothers and sisters in Christ just as they apply to the families as well. That said, let's look at one of the earliest families in recorded history. Let's look at the story of a young man named Joseph. You know, the, 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 the coat of many colors, the, um, the dreamer. Let's look at him for just a minute. Joseph was one of 12. His father was, was Jacob or Israel. And this, was a, this was a dysfunctional family for sure. You thought your family was dysfunctional. This one tops it all. And sibling rivalry in, in it was, was like no other. The hatred his brothers had for him was greatly. And it, it was so great that they planned to kill him. And they, they threw him in a hole and they, they sold him and, and told their father that, that an animal had killed him. I mean, that's pretty messed up right there, man. I don't know how bad your, your family is. I don't know how dysfunctional your family is, but I'm pretty sure... Nothing like that has ever happened. What in the world could have been so bad that would, to, would have led to that? What causes your brothers to want to kill you and actually follow through with it? <laughs> well, it, 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 let's look at the causes, some causes of sibling robbery. Number one cause of sibling robbery is tattling. Tattling. Genesis 37, 2. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of, of Bilhah and the sons of, of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. It probably wasn't the first time or only time he brought a report back. Dad, Aiden, Aiden hit me. Dad, Brock won't, won't stop looking at me. Dad, Bethany won't stop singing. Dad, Aiden and Bethany just went outside after you told them not to, but I'm still here. I'm, I'm listening, Dad. I actually listened. But they didn't. Come on, we've heard that before, haven't we? As you can tell, I'm dealing with and have been dealing with this issue for, for quite some time. Lord, help me. <laughs> it sounds funny. But left untended, it can destroy a family. It can be something really, really bad down the road. Nobody likes a tattletale or a snitch, do they? In some places in the world, even in North Carolina, people will kill you for snitching on them. But I want to tell you the difference between tattling and telling. Tattling is telling on someone to get them in, in trouble. You're tattling on someone. You want them to get in trouble so you will look good. But telling or reporting is when you're, you're telling someone about something just so they won't get in trouble. You're trying to, to help them. There's a big difference there. All parents deal with this issue differently. Like I said... I, I, had this, I didn't have this issue growing up. I want you guys as parents, I want you, when you're, when you're looking at um, the difference between tattling and telling, I want you to determine that. Determine what is a title and what is a truth. I didn't, I didn't have this growing up. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't do it, Mama. I, I didn't do it, Mama. I, yeah, right. Right, right Joey. I mean, I, there was nothing to blame. I couldn't blame anybody but myself. It was just me. I didn't have this growing up. It was just me. But, oh, boy, I have, 
I have experienced it now because, like I said, I have uh, children of my own. I have multiple children, and I've married into a family that has it. But now I'm dealing with it with my kids as we speak, as I said. And, and a lot of the times I tell them, let me be the parent and you be the child. You know, a lot of times, uh, I know at least my kids, they're, they're always trying to, to be the parent. You know, they're trying to step over that line and, and, and try to be the parent in their own little way. I, I sit them down and I say, let me, let me be the parent and let you be the child. I appreciate you telling me. I promise you, if there's somebody that's messing up, I will find out, I promise you, but you be the child and I'll be the parent. A lot of times they, they, they tattle on each other because they, they, want to be, they want to look better than the other. You may say, it's okay, my child just is showing me that, that they understand rules and they, they know right from wrong. Wrong, come on. You see, if not dealt with early, it can cause you in your home to go in a place of, from a place of refuge and peace to a war zone. And every time you, you walk in the door, there's always a fight going on among everyone. Does that sound familiar? Joseph eventually matured to the point that he broke this cycle. But some siblings, sub-sibling rivalries, they, they exist even in the adulthood where those that are supposed to mature don't. You know, and there's people these days in our culture who are adults, but they're, they're living as, as children. They never break it. They, they grow through and become adults and still act like children. And some of us are still acting like children. Number two, the second cause of sibling rivalry is favoritism. Genesis 37.3. Says now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly un, uh, ornamental robe for him. Now we know that to be the, the coat of many colors. We all know that. We all know it's it's, it's not fair. He, he got more than I did. He 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 gets to go and, and we can't. You love him more than I than you love me. I want to tell my kids sometimes. Get real. Come on. You know that ain't true. Every chance I get, when I get one of my children alone, I tell them they're my favorite. <laughs> and there's one in here today that knows my secret now. But every chance I get, when I get them alone, I tell them that, that they're my favorite. Every chance. And, and, and when I tell all of them, I tell them, tell them they're all my favorite. And they don't, they don't know until today that they're all my favorite. And I want them all to know that they're all special to me, that they're my favorite, and they are. I don't love any one of them more than the other. They're all my favorite. And I also want you to know today that God says that you are his favorite. All together. Not just, he don't love this one more than the other. He loves all of us the same. We are all his favorite. In most cases, favoritism is perceived, but in Jacob's family... It was real, and Jacob didn't even try to hide it. So you can imagine how his brothers felt. Joseph uh, got a flashy new coat, and they were like, Oh, yeah, that's great, man. Good for you. Good for you. You got a, you got a flashy, nice, nice coat, and we didn't. Good for you, man. Understand, even when it's just perceived to a child, perception is reality to the perceiver. Parents guard against favoritism. Treat all your children the same. Even if you have a favorite, don't show it. And please, please, please don't say it. Don't say that, 
that they're your favorite and, they're, and you don't ever tell your other kids that they're your favorite. The third uh, cause of sibling rivalry is bitterness. Genesis chapter 37 verse 4 says, When his brothers saw that, his, that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Do you blame them? I mean, do you blame them how it all went down? They grew bitter and resentful and hateful. It grew over time. It didn't just happen overnight, guys. And, then, and the more and more it grew, it finally grew into uh, wanting to physically hurt him and then uh, and actually wanting to kill him and then actually following through with it. And Jacob didn't do anything about it at all. And anger, unresolved, becomes resentment. Resentment becomes a bitter root. You ever see somebody who, who overreacts to something that seems really, really small and, and little and insignificant to us? Because they're dealing with a bitter root. They ain't reacting to the situation. They're reacting to the bitter root that they, they haven't dealt with yet. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And you carry bitter roots for the rest of your life, if not dealt with. You may be carrying a bitter root right now and, and for, some, for something that your, your mom and daddy did or your aunt and uncle, your brother or sister did back, back when you were really, really young, and you're still hanging on to that bitter, bitter root. And it's controlling you. And you don't even realize it. It's allowing you to, to make decisions based on that bitter root. And it's controlling everything that you've done over these years, over and over and over again. Forgive them, guys. Let it go. But you don't know what, what they did to me, Joey. You don't know how bad they hurt me. I know. I don't. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that, that whatever you went through, no matter how bad it was, but forgiveness is not about them. It's about you letting go and being free from that bitterness so you'll be free the rest of your life. I had a really bad vine wrapped around a beautiful azalea bush at my home. And it was choking the life out of this azalea bush. I could barely see the, the flowers in this azalea bush. That's how I knew it was, it was just infested with all these, these bad vines, these weeds. And I kept cutting, the, cutting them down, cutting them down, cutting them back. And they'd eventually grow back. It just took years and years and years. And they would, they'd grow back and they'd grow back and they'd grow back. And finally, it wasn't until I pulled the root up out of it Pulled, up, pulled the vines up out from the root is when it finally died and finally was away and never came back and never choked the life out of this beautiful flower. And it's the same way in a bitter root, left untended with, it can choke the life out of you. You, you can't just deal with, with it from the surface, guys. You have to get it out by the root. And the fourth cause of sibling rivalry is insensitivity. Genesis 37, 5 says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Understand, it wasn't just some ordinary dream. You know, Genesis 37, 6 through 8 says, He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were, we were binding sheaves of grain, and, and out of the field, we, we suddenly, my sheave rose and, and stood upright. While your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it, his brothers said to them, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what 
he had said. It was like Joseph was, was flaunting it, like he, like he was bragging about what he was, was going to do and how better he was going to be. He was like, hey, guys, I had this awesome dream, man, and wasn't, it, wasn't this awesome that I had a dream that, that you were going to bow down to me? Ain't that cool? No, his brothers were like, what do you mean? It made them furious. Yeah, you think you're better than us, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. All right. Well, you'll see. You just wait. You think you're better than us, don't you, Joseph? So much that they wanted to kill him. They threw him in a hole and left him to die. So, so I said that I was, an, I was an only child, and Amy is not, but I, I tell people all the time that I married into her family to, because I had a boring life and I wanted to have some excitement in my life. Well, uh, be careful what you ask for because I've got some excitement for sure. There's never a dull moment in my life. So I don't have a whole lot of stories at all to tell about my growing up and having siblings because I don't have any, but she has a lot. So I have a story of hers that she has given me the permission to say, to, to talk about, that has a little bit to do, that is, um, has a little bit to do with with what this story is about, and a little twisted way, and you'll understand what I mean by twisted, but it's a, a good twisted example of, of sibling rivalry. They were, her and her family were living at an old uh, rundown sawmill. Now, they were, they were actually living in the house of the owner at the time, and um, there, was, there was a pool there, and it was a dried-up pool, and over time they had uh, put old equipment in it and old metal uh, uh, tools and, and toys wound up in there. And it was just not a place for children to be around at all, to play around, to get around at all. And they knew that. And then there was one day where uh, Amy's dad was sitting in the kitchen looking outside the window, and he noticed his, two of his children were standing close to what they called the pit. He didn't think nothing about it. He knew they didn't want us to be there, but they... They knew better than to, than to play around there. They were just looking at it. Okay, that's fine. It was the oldest boy and the youngest girl. He was sitting there watching them. Then all of a sudden, the oldest boy pushes the youngest girl into the pit. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That gets better. He can, or excuse me, it gets worse than that. So he, he's like, okay, yeah, I know, really? Hey, how can it be worse than that? So he, the, little, the, the, younger, the oldest boy jumps in. To go get the youngest girl, and you're like, okay, all right, fine. He felt bad for what he did. He's going in to save her, and, and, and he's going to say that he's sorry, and, and hopefully she's okay. Well, he, he pulls her out, and then he immediately runs to the house. Now, keep in mind, her father is watching this whole thing unfold. He runs to the house. He goes running inside and says, Dad, 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 Samantha just, just fell into the pit, and I went in there after, and I saved her. And immediately, her dad went into disciplining him right then and there. No questions asked because he knew what he was doing. The boy went and, and, and tried to throw her into a pit, and then he saved her and wanted to, wanted to get all the credit for it. But the dad saw the truth. The dad saw what was really going on. And thankfully, Samantha had no cuts or scratches or anything bad to happen to her. She was actually quite entertained by her, uh, her brother's uh, punishment there. And uh, so that's a story that's been in the family for years that I, I chuckle at for sure. But that's a prime example of an, an insensitivity. But we all have had that in times, haven't we? 
We want to, to be better than someone else, and sometimes we, we take things a little too far. In Amy's brother's case, he wanted to be a hero. He, he just didn't know what could have happened in that whole process. Joseph was insensitive to his brother's feelings, and his brothers were insensitive to Joseph's life. And the fifth cause of sibling rivalry is diversity. Like it or not, there are a lot of diversity. There's a, there's a lot of diversity in our culture. All these things we've talked about bring, bring out potential rivalries, but another form that Jacob's family faced was the issue of having a blended family. How many blended families do we have in here? Yeah, I knew there were some. I was actually thinking there was going to be more than that. But Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. It says, Tending to the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Blended families is, is not just a, a modern-day issue. It's been going on for centuries. Jacob had 12 sons by four different wives. Two of them were sisters. <laughs> you talk about a blended family. Now that's a blended family. Uh, of course, the immediate good news for you who, who are uh, part of a blended family and, and a dysfunctional family is, is God used this family to change a nation, and God can use your family to do great and wonderful things and incredible things as well. Amen? But those of you struggling in your families right now, no matter if you're blended or not, I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone, and there's lots of people in this room and in this church are going through the same thing, very similar to what you're going through right now, whatever it is. And that's why we have blended family classes, and that's why we, we offer free, uh, a free conference for, for blended families, because we know the challenges, and we want to help you. We want to come beside you and help you along the way. So we looked at the causes, and now let's look at some cures. There are three for the parents, three cures for the parents, and there's Three cures for the kids, and then we'll be finished. Number one, for the parents, be level-headed. Be level-headed, guys. I'm talking to myself, too. It's not easy for me to be level-headed, my wife will tell me that. Don't panic. Don't over, overdo things. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2 says, It's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and, and miss the way. Sibling rivalry can be upsetting to some parents. We, we panic and, and we rush into without uh, taking time to understand what's really going on. We just want to fix it. And we forget that sometimes conflict is simply the process of development. And a side note, if you, if you missed last week's uh, message, please go online, bridgechurch.cc, and, and check it out. It was awesome. You guys definitely, uh, as parents, you definitely want um, to see that if you haven't already. Conflict going to happen. It's going to happen. No matter who you are, no matter how good your kids are, you're going to have some conflict. No matter who you are, when you're around somebody for a certain period of time, chances are you're going to have a disagreement. Chances are you're not going to see eye to eye, and chances are you're going to have some kind of conflict. Now, Cain and Abel, they had conflict. You know, they didn't, they didn't have much to fight about back then, but, but yet what happened? One of them murdered the other just because of a little conflict. How you deal with conflict means everything, though. Parents, be on your guard. Watch your kids and how they interact with each other. Anything that goes beyond normal bickering, get involved. Don't just do what Jacob did and, and, and let it happen and let it escalate into bitterness and 
and hopefully not worse. Be creative. My wife, Amy, is the best at this. My boy, Brock, and Bethany, they were, they were fighting one time, and they were bickering back and forth, and they were fighting, and they were, it was really getting, getting heated, and they were really saying hateful things towards each other. And my wife got a big T-shirt, put them both in it, and said, all right, I want you to tell one thing about uh, a, uh, Brock and one thing about Bethany that you love before you get out of this T-shirt. And they hated it. It took hours for them to do this because they didn't, say, they didn't want to say one good thing about them. And they had to say something that they loved about each other. But they did it. Now, now this issue, it, it still comes up sometimes, and they, they fight, and it's, it's a constant battle, as we know. We're always dealing with it, but, the, but at the end of the day, they know now that they love each other. No matter what they're going through, no matter what conflict, they still love each other at the end of the day, and we are trying to train them, hence the word trying, to train them to be professional forgivers. The second cure of parents is parents be fair. James chapter 2, verse 1 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Fair doesn't mean equal. It doesn't mean treat your child just alike. You don't say treat your children just like each other. Life isn't fair. You're not just going to be handed things in life. You've got you to work for Fair means you, you praise your kids when they need praising, and you discipline your kids when they need discipline, no matter what. But it does mean you don't play the comparison game. I've seen parents who brag about the one, one kid in the family who never gets in trouble. They hold him up, and they're like, why, don't you, why can't you be more like him? Or why can't you be more like her? And you hold, they hold him up. You know, James, the, 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 uh, the brother of, of Jesus, had to have, have heard this before. Why can't you be more like him? Why can't you be more like Jesus? Mm, because he's God, and he's perfect. That's why. <laughs> You see parents who, who pour so much attention into the kid who gets in trouble that the one that actually is not getting in trouble and doing what he, he or she is supposed to do is like, wait a minute, I'm not getting any attention over here. I'm just going to start messing up on purpose just so I can get attention. And that, that's the only way I'm going to get it around here. Now that's dangerous. That can, can mess up a kid down the road in more than one way than you, you think. And the third call, cure for parents is parents... Be a leader in your home. Be a leader. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It says, Train up a child the way they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. Be leaders at your home. Don't let your kids rule. There's a lot of kids these days that rule the home, don't they? There's a lot of them. We see it, we know it. But don't let your kids rule. They're kids for a reason. Your parents, it doesn't mix there. Let them be kids, and you be the parent. Don't make your kids have to make adult decisions. That's what you're there for. Don't have a child-centered home. Have a Christ-centered home, and I promise you, you'll be much better. And kids, they want, relation, they want leadership. They don't want you just be their friend. We talked about that last week. My kids, they want leadership. They want discipline. They want structure. Give it to them. They will appreciate it down the road because having rules and boundaries and a leader to look up to. I, you know, I, I used to preach in the prisons every Monday night. And there's majority of the, of the men and women that I talked to, they, they said that 
all they wanted growing up was a parent to lead them. All they wanted was a parent to discipline them. They didn't, I mean, obviously, that, there's a line there that you don't want the parent to, to beat them every day. That's not what I'm saying, but they wanted that structure in their life. And because of that, they went down the wrong path. So be the leader in your home. Parenting Magazine says that it, it uh, prepares children for the real world, teaches them how to socialize, provides a sense of order, allows kids to feel competent, reassures kids, keeps them safe, and actually boosts their confidence when you are the leader. So be a leader in your home for your kids and for you. All right, we've, we've looked at parents. Now let's now let's look at, a, look at siblings. What can the siblings do to prevent sibling rivalry? This goes for all ages. Number one, siblings, be yourself. Just be yourself. Psalms 139, 13 through 14. As you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. God made us original for a purpose. Every minute that we try to be one of our siblings or try to be someone else is a, is a time where we are not committed to being what God has made us to be. God made us unique for a reason. You will not stand before God and give an account of why you are not like somebody else. You are not like your brothers and sisters. Be yourself. Be who God made you to be. This world doesn't need somebody needs you to be somebody else. They already have one of them. But this world does need you to be you. Number two, siblings, be loving. Roman, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 and 18. It says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Do not repay any, anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Think about your current relationship with your brothers and sisters. Ask yourself a question. Is that the way you want to live the rest of your life? Hopefully it's good. There may be some, some relationships in here that are, that, are, that are bad. You may not have spoke two words to your brother and sister in years. What, was the, what, would, what would you think if something was to happen to them? And think of the last thing you said to your brother and sister. If something was to happen to them today, would you be okay with that? That's your brother. That's your sister. That's your blood. It don't matter if they, if they turn their back on you. Well, well there's a two-way two road there, man. He can come see me or she can come see me. My, my phone number ain't changed. They still ain't called me yet. Come on, man. Life is short. Make peace with them before it's too late. Don't turn your back on your family, even if they've turned their back on you. Be loving. And the third cure for sibling rivalry. Siblings, be prayful. 1 John 5, 16 says, If anyone sees his brother commit a sin, he should pray and God will give him life. When's the last time you, you prayed for your brother and sister? Have you ever prayed for your brother and sister? It's okay if you haven't. It's all right. Today's a good, good day to start, though. It's a really good day to start. Yeah, you don't have to lay hands on your... You don't have to go see your, your, your brother or sister for the, 
for the first time in, in 10 years and, and go lay hands on them and, and pray fervently for them right then and there and be awkward and weird. That's not what I'm saying. You can pray for them right here today before you leave. And just say, I, I lift up my brother to you. I lift up my sister to you. We haven't had a good relationship over the years, but, but Lord, I, I lift them up to you right now, Lord. Help, help us, help the situation, help the relationship. It's amazing how difficult it is to be bitter and jealous and angry and pray for an individual at the same time. And while we're praying, pray for yourself. God, how can I do, what, what can I do? How can I change this relationship? How can I help this relationship with my brother or sister? What can I do, Lord? One last point. Now, this, this is for all of us. This point uh, is, a, is a point within itself, and it wraps up this whole entire message. Without it, we'll all be dysfunctional forever. And that is forgiveness. In spite of our dysfunctions, God still forgives us if we let him. Joseph had the opportunity, after all that had been done to him, after all that he had went through, all because of his brothers, he had the opportunity to kill them and get revenge or to bless them and be like Jesus. His brothers were thinking the worst. They, they knew that they, they deserved it. And they, they knew that they deserved to be punished, and they did. They knew it. Joseph knew it as well. It was true they did deserve to be punished, but Joseph granted them forgiveness and grace and mercy, and he blessed them. You see, that's how God is with us. We deserve punishment. We deserve the worst. We, we deserve to be, to be punished for sure of what we did and what we're going to do. And God knows that. But, but God grants us forgiveness and, and grace and mercy, not because of that we deserve it, not because we did anything, not because of who we are, but because of who He is and because He loves us. Because He loves us, He, he willingly died for us and for, forgave us of our sins so that we could be with Him forever if we would just accept it. We're all messed up. We're all broken. We're all dysfunctional in some way, but God loves us anyway, and He wants a relationship with us. So no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter how dysfunctional your family is, no matter what you've done, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. So bad that he died just so that he could. And all you have to do is accept it. Romans 10, 9 says that Jesus, that if you confess your sins with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe it with all your heart and that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Will you do that today? I'm going to pray, and if that's you, I would love to pray for you after service. We'll have prayer warriors up here, but I'd love to talk to you after service. Or maybe that's, maybe you, you've just strayed away from God for a little while, and you want to come back to Him. Or like the, 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 the prodigal son, like the father and the prodigal son, God will, will, will run to you with open arms and, and be ready to receive you back. But it's up to you. Or maybe God spoke to you today through the message, and, and you, just, you just feel like you need to pray for your brother or sister. We'll pray for your parents or pray for your aunts and uncles. That's what this altar's for. There's going to be people up here ready to pray with you and do that as well if you need. Let's pray, guys. Lord Jesus, help us to put these things into practice, Lord. Help us to be the parents you've called us to be. 
And help us to be the brothers and sisters you've called us to be. Help us to love. Help us to forgive. And help us to depend on you in everything we do. In Jesus' name. Amen.